Chapter Twelve of The Lone Ranger Rides. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Lone Ranger Rides by Fran Stryker. Chapter Twelve A Legal Paper. In the clear air, one could see for miles from the top of Thunder Mountain. The basin, most of it at least, was hidden by the foliage, but the view in the opposite direction encompassed endless plains that led to ranches beyond the horizon. The masked man wondered how many of those ranches had contributed to the crisscrossing of cattle tracks on the bald dome where he stood. Tonto pointed out the things that he'd observed on previous visits, and indicated where a trail had been cut to make a descent straight into the basin. Meanwhile, most of the people in the basin went to Becky's funeral. It was a simple ceremony without tears, conducted by Jeb Cavendish. No one who had known Rebecca's life could feel sorry for her for having been released. Penny held the hands of the oldest children during the burial. She frequently felt the eyes of Yuma, standing hatted with a number of other men, upon her, but each time she looked at the blond cowboy, he was staring at the ground. Vince was there, and so were most of the cowhands. Wally was somewhere away from the basin. Bryant had a distant view from his seat on the porch of the house. Mort was still in bed with a bandage around his neck. Jeb seemed to enjoy his brief period as the center of attraction and postponed conclusion of the services as long as possible. When he ultimately pronounced a benediction, Yuma hurried away as if on important business. Penny led the dry-eyed youngsters toward the house. Gimlet, the cook, advanced to meet her. "'Let me take care of the young'uns, Miss Penny,' the old man said. Keeve ripes, I ain't had the chance to tell a pack of lies to kids since you growed up. Penny was grateful. The children had been her responsibility since Rebecca's death, and she welcomed the chance to get away and think for a little while. I'll be around, she said, when you have to start supper. Don't you do it now, Miss Penny. Don't you do nothing of the sort. You leave the kids with me and let em stick by me. It'll do em good to talk to someone sides them glum-actin' cousins of yours, with their souls full of vinegar till it shows in their faces." Penny smiled. "'It's a deal, Gimlet. They're your responsibility till bedtime.' The children, heretofore ignored, were wide-eyed at the thought that anyone could actually want their company. Gimlet's manner seemed forced. Penny fancied her old friend had worries about which he said nothing. "'You get,' he said, spanking the oldest boy playfully. "'I'll be right along and meet you by the kitchen door.' When the children had gone, the old man with one eye turned to Penelope. "'I got something,' he said, "'to tell you.' "'Yes, Gimlet?' I only got one eye, but my ears is first-rate. Maybe I oughta keep my big mouth shut, but I figure you oughta know that your Uncle Bryant is up to something. 
Uncle Bryant? Penny's tone showed her surprise. She knew that Gimlet was one friend upon whom she could count. The old cook had dandled her on his knee when as a child she had come to live in the basin. She listened eagerly. Heard him talkin' to that no-good gamblin' smooth-talkin' hombre named Lonergan, said Gimlet. Penny remembered that Lonergan had called the night before. Bryant had taken him upstairs, behind closed doors. Curiosity has always been my trouble, and when I heard talkin' between them two, I didn't shut my ears none. Couldn't get much of what is said, but the two of them was workin' over some sort of legal paper. "'What about it?' asked Penny. "'Uncle Bryant has a right to make a contract or agreement with someone.' "'Well, all's I know is that I heard Bryant ask Lonergan if he was dead sure the paper'd stand in court after he was dead and gone.' Penny wanted to laugh at Gimlet's obvious concern over what was probably a will. His seriousness, however, impressed her. "'That ain't all,' said the old man. "'I heard more. I heard Bryant saying he wanted to leave what he owed to them that deserved it, and he didn't want none of his damned relatives contesting the will in court of law.' "'But, after all, Gimlet, it's Uncle Bryant's ranch, and he can do what he wants with it.' "'Another thing,' growled Gimlet. "'They's a puncher here calls himself Yuma.' "'What about him?' "'You can trust that big maverick, Miss Penny. He thinks a heap about you.' Penny said nothing. Gimlet went on with a lengthy discourse about the fine qualities of Yuma. He and Yuma had spent hours in close confab in the kitchen, and Yuma had expressed his feelings confidentially to Gimlet. Penny's face grew red as the frank old man continued. Finally she cut him off. "'Those children are waiting for you, Gimlet.' "'All right. I'm a-going to em but you just remember that Yuma is ace-high with me, and you're ace-high with him." Gimlet shuffled toward the kitchen door. Penny wanted to get away from the surroundings and be alone with her thoughts. She had at least two hours before her uncle would be expecting her for the evening meal. Hurriedly she changed to riding clothes and left the vicinity on Las Vegas. She discounted the seriousness of all that Gimlet had said about her uncle's legal paper. Obviously, just a will. The thing that concerned her most was the truth about Bryant's eyes. During the day she had tried to observe him carefully. There were times when she was sure he had trouble seeing things. Then she thought he had truly fired at Mort, but failing eyes had made his shot go wild and coincidence had made it drill Yuma's hat. There were other times when Bryant seemed to reach directly, without a trace of groping, for whatever he desired, and then she wondered. There was no doubt in her mind that Vince and Mort were involved in something or other that they didn't want too generally known. What of the men, the Texas Rangers, who Becky had said came to investigate and died for it? 
lost in her thoughts the girl rode on without thought or direction she let the reins hang slack and paid no attention to the tangle of growing things that brushed past her she was surprised when she came back to reality to find that las vegas had carried her up thunder mountain she was well beyond the lower part of the path where it was rough might as well keep going now she said there was sugar in her pocket put there for las vegas well this time the mustang could do without his customary sweet she'd save it till she reached the clearing and see if she could bribe attention from the silver stallion the indian what did he call himself tonto that was it tonto had said that a friend was wounded she wondered if by any chance this friend could be one of the texas rangers she thought it quite unlikely in view of the fact that all of them were said to have been killed well she had asked tonto anyway the clearing was just ahead she saw the form of a horse through the trees and then a man his back was toward her she saw him turning as he heard the hoofs approaching the man was not her indian friend neither was he a stranger to the girl he was one of the last people in the world she cared to meet in such a place the killer who called himself rangoon end of chapter 12